Hi, and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And um, this show, I, 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 I love doing this show. I really do, because I get to meet some of the coolest people, and I get to have some of the most fascinating conversations. And uh, today's episode is no exception to that. Uh, Mitchell Levy, uh, I've known Mitchell for a while. Um, we're both members of an organization called the Heroes Club, and uh, part of the C-Suite Network. and what I am excited about having him on uh, today is, is for a couple of reasons. First of all, those of you that are, you know, want to be authors, uh, this is a guy you're wanting to get to know uh, pretty, pretty well. Uh, Mitchell's, um, he's an international best-selling author of over 60 books, but he is also um, in a position to ghostwrite your book, publish it, distribute it, and make you an Amazon bestseller in four months. Okay, so that's kind of the, the promise there. That's kind of the avocational piece, or the vocational piece. The avocational piece is what I'm most interested in here because Mitchell is also a credibility expert. And if you're looking at you know, what your business is about today and what some of the challenges that I know that you're probably facing today, what you're gonna wanna pay attention to more than anything else is relevance. If you're not relevant, you're out of, no, you're out of, you're out of luck. You're, you're dead in the water. So how do you become relevant? And credibility is the keystone and the cornerstone to relevance, as far as I can tell. So that's kind of my preamble on this. Uh, the show is called The Soul of Business. And there is uh, a question that I always pose to my, my guests on this. And this literally is when you hear the term, the soul of business, what does that bring up for you? So Mitchell, you're on a hot seat. Blaine, <laughs> that, uh, always, always amazing to interact with you. So thank you. You know, the similarities between what credibility means for a human and for a business and what the soul of business means, they're, they're, they're almost synonymous in just slightly different terms. They're, the soul of business, from my perspective, is we, in the industrial age, businesses didn't have souls. In the industrial age, we, we cared about more, more about money and profit and, and greed. And we are moving away from, just so you know, we're still in the industrial age. We just happen to have technology that makes the shit that we used to do in the industrial age propagate faster. As we move into, and I like to call it the global village. We were at one point in time in a village. We hit this industrial age. We're now moving to a global village. As we move into the global village, what is the only thing that's important well, I, I want to say the word credibility, and that, that sort of has a personal component, but the credibility that's associated with an organization, that is the soul of the business. And it's not this nameless, faceless entity. It is the, the concepts, it's the people, it's the individuals inside the organization that have personality, that have and I'll go back to the word credibility, they have the credibility to do the right things for the clients and you start adding all that together, the soul of the business are the, are the people who are delivering value because it's the right thing to do to their client base. Yeah, you hit on you know, one of my magic words here, it's something that I pay a lot of attention to and that's value. Um, I mean, value is gonna be synonymous in my mind to um, uh, relevance. 
So when you're thinking about value, the value proposition of the business, um, yeah, yeah, I remember talking to Howard Schultz years ago. Yeah, your brand is not what you say it is. Your brand is what people think it is in their minds, and it's, it's what they make up about who you are and what you're doing. So if there's a match between what you're saying and, and what they're making up in your mind, you've got credibility. You know, they're gonna, they're probably gonna say, yep, I can count on that. And Starbucks built a business around that. Um, and I'll just use that as an example. But what you're speaking to right now, I wanna just explore this credibility piece because there's an inside and an outside to it. And there's an interior in the, in the organization. Is the leader credible? Is my boss, my manager credible? Are the people that I work with credible? And on the exterior, you know, everything has an inside and an outside. You know, is, is my customers and my clients and my vendors look at me, I, you know, are we credible as an organization? So that's a real big envelope to work with here. So you've got a, you've got a, uh, a word that you have coined and I want to, you know, just kind of invite you to talk a little bit about that and kind of the uh, etymology of, of where this came from, but it's, uh, it's called, uh, let me see, cred dust, cred dust, cred dust, cred dust. Credust. I love that. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, this is an invented word, but it, it, it just, it stops me and it gets me. What does he mean by that? So you, you, you got, the, you got the floor here. What do you mean by that? So the, um, it, it, it's so funny. If you go to the dictionary, to the, to the web, just go to credust, C-R-E-D-U-S-T.com and you'll see a dictionary definition of that. And, and I'll tell you where that came from, but first let me give you the answer. It is that sparkle that happens when to both you and the person whose credibility you're sharing, it's a sparkle that happens to both of you. Right now, you're spreading cred dust by having me on your show. And by the way, you're having me on my show and talking about me versus having me on your show and talking about you. Okay, there's a difference. <laughs> there are some podcasters who, who have a show to talk about themselves. That's not spreading cred dust. Cred dust is simply that sparkle that happens to both of us. Now, there's magic in cred dust. So if you think of it as fairy dust or you think about it as Hermione and the bag that she carries. running around here. Exactly. Yeah. So here's what's interesting. When you reach into your bag of cred dust and you sprinkle it on somebody else, well, first, not only do they shine and you shine, but then when you look in your bag, it's not only been replenished, it's been added to. And, and so let me tell you the, uh, where that came from. So I, uh, as you know, I just, uh, I finished interviewing 500 thought leaders on credibility. Yeah. One of the guys I had was David Meerman Scott. David's the guy who invented the word newsjacking. And so in the green room conversation, I said, David, how do I get known around the globe for this credibility stuff? It is absolutely spectacular. He says, Mitchell, invent a word. And I go, cred dust. <laughs> I just don't know if it's 1D or 2 he goes, no, no, Mitchell, listen, it took me six months to think about this and tie it all, all in. And I go, just make sure that's the right word. And I go, David, that's definitely the word. Because what's happened as I was doing the interviews is one of the, one of the things that started coming out is those people who are servant leaders, those people who are supporting others, they're not standing on top of the mountain thinking that they're the thought leader and that they should speak and everyone should 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 answer and respond what they're doing is they're at the bottom of the mountain helping others up and they're pulling in other thought leaders they're pulling in other people they continuously automatically 
there just wasn't a word for it. Highlighting other people, they were sharing other people's cred dust as a way in which they were helping to both educate and give value to their audience and, and also to help propel themselves up. They were doing it through other people. I'm like, oh, and it was a very, it just happened immediately. You know, it's interesting you mentioned, and, uh, and I thank you for that kind of history uh, piece there, because I think it's important. And you mentioned the you know, thought leader. Uh, I've been accused of that um, being one of those things. Um, but I, I've also just kind of you know, realized, I mean, it's not a current realization by any stretch of the imagination, but people will use that phrase not really knowing what, what it's about. You know, well, he's a thought leader, she's a thought leader. Talk a little bit about that because this is something that you pay attention to and it's, and it's really germane to the idea of credibility. So I actually have a extremely robust, I'll talk here. Um, if yeah. you go to thinkaha.com, uh, there's actually a tab and I have an extremely robust definition of thought leadership and how it sits and what it does. And, and what I'm gonna say is uh, I did a TED talk and I covered thought leadership in that and it's changed over time. Uh, in the industrial age, the thought leader was given to us by the publishing companies. They were given to us by the broadcast media. They were given to us by the recording studios. We were told who we were going to read, who we were going to listen to, and who we were going to watch on the big and small screen. Well, now everyone has a camera and everyone has a microphone. And we're not looking to any one particular company to designate a thought leader. That's not how it works anymore. So... The best way to think about the word thought leader is it's that person who has a following that people pay attention to. We often sometimes have misconstrued the word thought leader that it has to be a global thought leader. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you have 10 people that follow you, you're a thought leader for those 10 people, right? And, and if, uh, by the way, if you're, if you're the head of the household and you're running a family, you're the thought leader for that family. And so the, the thought leader is that person, the credible expert is, and so I like to use the, you could almost use those words synonymous in my definition, thought leader and credible expert. It's the person who has credibility in doing what they do and they have a following, whether it's a small number or a large number. And this is one of the problems with thought leadership is so many people think, hey, I do this really well in my city let me see if I could do it in another city. Oh, let me see if I could do it in a city in another country when that's not really what they do. Mm -hmm. And so you don't, you, you, to, to have a following of an audience that's engaged in you and they love who you are and what you do and you're happy. You, you, the industrial rate says you have to do more. Uh, the, the global village, just do what you do and do it really, really well and be happy. And that's really a good thing. Yeah, that the, the there's a couple of points there. You know, one is you know that that influencing. I mean, you know, the vernacular today is, are you an influencer? And it bas basically there's an equivalency there because what you're speaking to is you've got somebody that you're actually influencing and they're actually paying attention. So it's domain specific. Yeah. So I am not uh, a thought leader in the kitchen, <laughs> as an example here. I, I have yeah you know, I've got certain credibility in the domain of leadership. Uh, and leadership development, that sort of thing. So this goes back to the question that I you know, kind of posed up here at the beginning about relevance. Those of you that are listening, uh, your business can be positioned as kind of the, uh, the 
the domicile of your thought leadership in one sense. That would be one way to think about that, if, I, if I'm correct here. So um, as a leader of your business, whether it's a you know, mom and pop shop or whether you've got a global organization, what's the value proposition that you're bringing to market today? That's, I mean, that's, a, that's this is a, seems like a big jump here, but it, it really is, I think, germane to this whole notion of credibility being a thought lever, uh, um, both a thought lever as well as a thought le uh, leader. Um, how do you go about, and this is a, just kind of an open-ended question for, for conversation, I think, here, Mitchell. Yeah, how do you go about, you know, that, that you know, defining the value proposition that is unique to who you are, either as a business or as an individual? So I love that question. And, and I love it for a particular reason. And Blaine, I want to use this opportunity, we'll do it live, to help change your vernacular just a teeny bit. Beautiful. Because what happened when I started doing the 500 credibility interviews, mm -hmm. I asked somebody their first question. And the first question I asked people was, what is your CPOP? What is your customer point of pain? And it's amazing. So it, once again, you could take a look at the dic dictionary. If you go to creddust.com, there's, you can click on CPOP and see what that is. Essentially, it's who you serve and what is the pain point they have when you, when you serve them. Typically, a CPOP is one to 10 words. It's one to three seconds. It's short, shareable, memorable, and most importantly, begs the question, tell me more. Mm -hmm. And so for a long time during the interviews, what I'm going to say is I got it wrong. What I, what I was thinking is that the CPOP is in, and that's what we have to use, and the value proposition, proposition is out. We should never use it. Because when you hear the word, there's a classic definition of the word value proposition. Yeah. It typically starts with I or we mm -hmm. are positioned to do blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yep. We're positioned to solve your problem. So actually, I or we have done a great job of having the right organization in place to solve your CPOP, okay? So what happens is, and this came through in the interviews, when you start a sentence with the word I or we, there's a percentage of the population that says, oh, you're a salesperson or you're trying to sell me something. And they put in this 30 second filter. They don't hear the next 30 seconds of what you say. Well, good value proposition is less than 30 seconds. So they don't hear your value proposition. So here's my suggestion. The first words out of your mouth should be your CPOP. The third words out of your mouth should be your value proposition. And I've got something to go in the middle. Mm -hmm. This came from Kim Walsh Phillips um, in the interview. One of the things that she mentioned when I was talking to her is she had a really fun term she used, and it's what do they want? And so the what do they want is, once again, very similar to a CPOP. It's, it's, in this case, it's one to five words, and it's what do they want to deliver. So here's my suggestion. What is your CPOP? What's your customer point of pain? Uh, mine is humans that want to be seen as credible. I've heard people do stuff like miscommunication, profitability, global supply chain panic. Um, there's, I'm actually right now, uh, you can go to a webpage and see all the CPOPs that came out of the 500 interviews. It's just beautiful mm -hmm. to, to listen to those. 
when you talk about what's next, if you say, okay, humans that want to be seen as credible, somebody says, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. Then the next thing is, what do they want? Well, I have a membership community to help educate, and you said uh, your words were beautiful, to help educate some people who are ignorant uh, <laughs> so that they're not stupid. But we'll come back to that. Okay. We'll come back to that one, yeah. And then the value proposition is, and that's when you say, I or we do the following to solve that CPOP, right? And so what's interesting is in terms of you building trust, if the first words out of your mouth is the pain point that the person you're talking to actually has, or even better, somebody in their network has, and you can say it in one to three seconds, like, wait, I know somebody who I could share that with. Yeah. And then you have a product who, by the way, the what do they want is your product name. So that's five words or less. And then you follow through with your value proposition, which is really the reinforcing of who you are and your, you or your organization's ability to deliver on the pain point. You've actually done a good job of building up trust, building up credibility, building up a, a formula that somebody says, hey, listen, we need to talk further. I love that. I love it. That is a, that is a, now I want you to synthesize that into, you know, there's three chunks here. Just kind of articulate each one of those three so that the listeners can uh, kind of grasp that. Absolutely. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, so step one, when you meet somebody, what's your CPOP? Step two, what do they want? Step three is you share your value proposition. Love that, yeah, and, and it's elegant. It's really elegant. You know, and I use the word elegant here. No unintended consequences. You don't have to go back figuring out where you went off the rails. And elegant uh, is a very specific use of that word. Software programming. It's elegant code. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. I that is a beautiful wrong. word. Well, I think I think I'll just add one more piece to it. The benefit of going in that order is if you say your C pop, and the person on the other side really doesn't give a shit. You know, right mm -hmm. away, you don't have to say anything more. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, Energy how, conservation. How good is that? However, if you give your CPOP and it's one to three seconds, and the first thing they say is, tell me more, they're actually giving you the ability to, to tell them something else. And, you know, they're probably giving you 30 seconds or maybe two minutes. But if you then take the next five seconds and give, give what, do they, what do they want, that your product name, um, mm -hmm. all of a sudden they go, that's really interesting. And then they're going to say, tell me more about that. And that's when you give your value proposition, what you're, what you then are, you, you're reinforcing your trust, but they're not looking at you as somebody who's selling them. They're looking at you as somebody, can you deliver on the promise that you just made? Yeah. So, you know, we're looking here at the, how do you develop credibility? And we'll be right back with Mitchell just as soon as we take this short break. Thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that 
site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. My guest today is Mitchell Levy, and we are talking uh, about credibility development. I mean, this is kind of where we left off prior to the commercial. Um, you're going to, I mean, I, like I said at the beginning when we started this interview, I, I am so jazzed about doing this program because I meet some of the most fascinating people, and I've, I've known Mitchell for a while, but we get to have some of the greatest conversations. And this conversation about uh, credibility, I want to go a little bit deeper on it. Um, and I want to kind of go back to something that you mentioned in the first part of uh, our conversation here. You've been doing a research project for the last year that is designed you know, very specifically to have an endpoint, which is going to, you know, you know I, I won't belabor you know, by throwing in all kinds of little non sequiturs here. What is the project and where is it going and what do you intend to have happen with it? Because I think it's really not only cool, but it's also, I think, incredibly relevant to what uh, is going on in the world today. So, so Blaine, one of the things you'll, you'll notice is the human, which is me, now at the end of the project is a different human than I was before. Mm -hmm. And so, so I woke up one morning and what popped into my head was Napoleon Hill, 500 millionaires, think and grow rich. Yep. And I go, I can do that. So Mitchell Levy, 500 thought leaders with a research project on the word credibility. And, and truthfully, what I didn't do is I didn't worry about the name of the book, which I didn't have at the time, because I, I kind of recognized that that would get in my way. Because <laughs> hopefully yeah. the project itself would, would unravel, uncover <laughs> what the title of the book would be. So the, I spent somewhere around, normally I could have built a product. One of my superpowers is building, building systems. So I could have actually thrown in a system and built something that, uh, that I actually just delivered and gave to my team and said, do this. And I would have done that in a month. Instead, I let my team build it. It took us about five months to build the process. And in the first two months, we did four interviews each. Once we got the hiccups out, I ended up doing 500 or uh, uh, 492 interviews <laughs> in the next sort of 10, 10, 11 months. And the, the value or the, the, the goal was to learn what does this word credibility mean? So I could tell you it's only one third accurate in a dictionary. I will fix that. The goal was to come up with, uh, because of David Merriman Scott, other words to actually come to play. The goal was, which I didn't know was going to happen, is out of the interviews itself, come up with a product. And that was a, a, a gift from Whitney Johnson to help me think about that. The goal was to be able to find, for me personally, 
if I understood what the word credibility was and what it means, where, where does that lead us? Uh, where does it lead me? And I guess, I guess when I put the interviews together uh, at the beginning, it's where do I go next? Where does it lead me? And when I want to say where I am now, where does it lead humanity? And so the end result is, is the, with the updated definition of dictionary, what I'm going to say is, and let's be very, let's be very candid and straightforward. If you look at those people around you, the question is, are they credible? I'll give you that definition. Or are they something else? Let me call this something else dubious. So are they credible or are they dubious? My argument at the moment, and I'm in the middle of having a survey commissioned where in at least the US and then we'll do the world, I'm going to know the difference between those that are considered credible versus dubious. At the moment, I'm going to say dubious is winning a thousand times over. Uh, but I want to have a survey that actually comes back. So that's me speculating. So the question is, when you look at yourself, when other people look at you, when you look at others, what camp do you fall in? Do you fall in the camp of credibility? Do you fall in the camp of, of dubiousness? Uh, I'll give you the definition of, of credibility. At the moment, the definition in the dictionary is the demonstration of trust. And what I'm going to say is that's only one third accurate. The definition of, of credibility needs to be the demonstration of known, of being likable, and being trusted. And by known, I'm not talking about that people know of you. I'm talking about that people know who you are. What's your intent? What's your commitment? What's your, what's, what is your integrity to do things? What have you done in the past? What is your desire to serve? Uh, like we all kind of know what like is, but the way I define like is focused on A, do you spread cred dust or do you share your stage with others? B, do you show respect? To me, a quick, uh, quick thought on showing respect is we show up when we show up. And so if you're going to have a meeting, come early, be prepared, come with your heart. And then on trust, um, I actually did a TED talk focused on trust. And when I define trust in the TED Talk, I'm going to say I, I only got it 75% accurate. So I'll give you the full definition. What I said in the TED Talk is trust is really the demonstration of vulnerability, integrity, and authenticity. I missed an important element. Trust is also coachability. Because I actually, Blaine, I had somebody come into the interview. So, so typically what happens is... Uh, there's a 13-minute video that somebody, somebody watches ahead of time to prepare for the interview. They watch past shows. The first question I ask them, and we, we do work in the green room ahead of time. First question I ask them is, what is your CPOP? What's your customer point of pain? 98% of people need a little bit of coaching on their CPOP. It mm -hmm. just, it's, it's not that, in your words, it's not that they're stupid. I, I don't even like to word, use the word ignorant. They just haven't they haven't been taught properly on how do you condense what you do in one to five words, one to 10 words, right? Yeah. And, and so there was this one guy who, when I asked him his CPOP, he gave me his value proposition. I asked him to shorten it and try to take IOE out. He gave me his value proposition again. And I said, hey, do you mind if I do a little bit of coaching? His response was, yes, I do. I have my way of doing things and you have your ways of doing things. Now, this is what's really interesting, Blaine. Uh, what I wanted to say is something I didn't say. <laughs> and 
And what I ended up doing is, is using the technique of saying, oh, and I just, I just listened and let there be about four seconds of dead air. And then he came back and said, you know, I don't think this is going to work out, is it? And I said, I don't think so either. Good luck with the rest of your, I'm sorry, I should have said good luck with the rest of your life. I said, good luck with everything you're doing. <laughs> okay. And, and it, it got me, it is such a powerful thing. Who would hire somebody who's not coachable? Who would hire somebody for their organization that knows all the answers and doesn't need to listen to anything else to know the answer to your, your sure problem? I just can't possibly understand it. So trust is vulnerability, integrity, authenticity, and coachability. And so the definition of credibility is known, liked, and trusted. I love that. I mean, you know, Mitchell, you've got a great way of just kind of encapsulating things. And I'm going to go back to that coachability piece because yeah, I really, truly resonate with that. And that has been my experience as well. When I'm, when I'm looking yeah, and, you know, the clients I work with and, and I've got uh, clients that have uh, been you know, with me for, in one case, 30, 33 years now. Uh, you know, most, of me, uh, most of my client base has been with me for at least a decade. And that speaks to something. And it's not that I built in um, in, in the interactions. I don't build in... Uh, the, you know, the uh, reliance on me for anything. It's just, you know, there's, there's trust, you know, and as they've evolved, I've evolved. And as I've evolved, they've evolved. There's been this reciprocity that comes in. Well, the idea of coachability, there's, there's a notion that I've played with for some time now, I mean, I mean literally decades about uh, what does it mean to be right? And, you know, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit offline in the green room around this, around, you know, when we're working at dubious and uh, credible, um, but my experience with people that need to be right, and this, I'm going to go back to you know, your, your, your value proposition, getting in front of you know, the CPOP, you know, in, to use your phraseology here. Um, I want to be right more than I want to get what I want to have or what I say I want to have. And you know, let me just kind of re rephrase that a little bit. 99% of the people on this planet, and I swear to God, it is at least 99.9% if, if, <laughs> at least. Most people on this planet would rather be right than get what they say they want. They would rather be right than get what they say they want. And the way that I define right has to do with anything and anybody that is behaving in a manner that is consistent with my belief system. And if the world is operating in a manner that's consistent with my belief system, I feel right. I feel validated. And I am going to do everything in my power to make sure that that stays in place. People do not like the experience of being wrong. They don't like the, you know, they may intellectually understand that it's valuable to be wrong sometimes because I get to learn something. This is where coachability comes in. But the experience of being wrong, nobody likes that experience of being wrong. You know, it's diminishing, it's diminutive. It, you know, I have to re you know, re recalibrate everything. It's, it's unsettling. Um, so... Part of my invitation to people is where in your life would you rather be right than get what you say you want? And an example I use a lot is you know, with my late wife. Um, bless her. I mean, she was one of the most creative, you know, uh, spontaneous people I've ever met. I loved her madly. She was just this spark. And she would squeeze the toothpaste tube anywhere her hand landed. Now, I, on the other hand... I will squeeze the toothpaste, uh, the toothpaste tube in the right place, which is in the bottom, and it just works its way up. I don't have to go searching for toothpaste. It's always present because it's working its way up. 
Now, I mentioned that, you know, it's kind of a silly example here, but people will get into arguments about something as, as crazy as who squeezed the toothpaste tube in the wrong place, quote, unquote, wrong place. And I would get in that argument with her. And there would be this little disembodied mini me that would pop out and look down at myself and say, hey, Blaine, what are you doing? And I'd look up at my mini me and I'd say, shut up, I'm winning. And I would rather be right about who squeezed the toothpaste tube than have what I said I wanted, which is a loving, nurturing, respectful, harmonious relationship with this woman that I love. Being right was more dominant. So when we're looking at you know, this whole idea of, of trust, credibility, this question of being right, I think, comes into play yeah, in a very subtle way. Yeah. What do I have to give up to be credible? What do I have to let go of, is another way of saying that, to be credible? And oftentimes it is my positioning. Oftentimes it is my biases. I have to be willing to listen, to be open, to, you know, to experience different things and different perspectives that create different possibilities. So, I mean, I, I, I love this, this little track. I mean, and, and this was my soapbox. <laughs> this is my section of soapboxing, yeah, on, on this episode. <laughs> so. I, 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 let me say that you and I will have a green room conversation on the word right and wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, because I, I think, if I'm listening to you, part of what I'm thinking about is we just need to change the languaging. We need to change. It's not about being right and being wrong because that has such a, in my mind, that, that, that is a yes, no answer. It's heaven or hell. It's right or wrong. It's left or right. And it's red red or blue, right? It, we are so bimodal. And what happens is if you are, if you are, if you can educate those people that you're interacting with, in such a way where they can see a bigger picture, uh-huh. they could choose the direction they want to go in. And yeah. just because they go left and you're going right, doesn't mean you're, there's a right or wrong there in many scenarios. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, so, so what I'll do is let's play, let's play with your vocabulary a little bit, the, the words that yeah. come out. Um, and, uh, and, but I do agree. It's what my task is going forward is to educate what is, I don't want to say right and wrong, but I'd rather say, I want to educate what is right from a perspective of humanity. What is right in terms of a perspective of what you as a human can do to your fellow human? Yep. And what does that mean? Uh, one of the biggest, uh, going back to the first question, the soul of the business, mm-hmm. your business is a composite of humans. If you're running yes. a business and you don't see it that way, in terms of right or wrong, you absolutely are closer to the wrong side than the right side. And yeah, you're going to you introduce polarization into the yeah vernacular, and this is where linguistics make a big difference. You know, the the default typically in people's mindset is right wrong thinking, good bad thinking. It's values based and it's values based thinking. And I have found, and I found this out a long time ago, that if I'm working from a perspective or a mindset of, is this working or not working? That's just, that's a values-free assessment. 
And it's predicated on where do I want to end up? What's the outcome I'm trying to produce? Is What's the result that I want here? Is what I'm currently doing, how I'm currently approaching, what I'm thinking, is it working or not working in service of that outcome, that result? So yeah, that gets to be a completely different question. And if I'm vulnerable enough around considering those questions, that vulnerability is where credibility begins to come back into play. Perfect. We connect to vulnerability, we disconnect through certainty, and when we disconnect, all bets are off. I love that. Yes, well tied together. Okay, and on that note, I'm gonna start bringing this uh, in for a landing here. Um, my guest today has been Mitchell Levy. Um, Mitchell, where can people find out more about you, about the project you're engaged in? I mean, you've got a number of different websites that they can actually organize around. But what, what would you direct people around? Oh, I have way too many, way too many websites. So what I've done is created a sort of single landing page. It's my name, MitchellLevy360.com. So it's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-L-E-V-Y-360.com. And there you can connect to me on social. You could take a look at the, the websites, uh, see videos, customer testimonials. Uh, the first video that'll pop up will be the most relevant thing. At the moment, we did a course on how to put credibility in your LinkedIn profile. That pops up today. And uh, if this is of interest to you, whether it's you're interested in, in learning more or doing a book or want to know about credibility, you could book time directly on my calendar. And you can do that at MitchellLevy360.com. Beautiful. Mitchell Levy, I thank you very much. This has been Blaine Bartlett. Uh, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett, and you can find out more about me and what I'm up to uh, by going to blainebartlett.com. Very simple, blainebartlett.com. Thanks, and Blaine. This was fun. It's been great. Look forward to uh, having further conversations. You take care, uh, my as friend. As do I. You are awesome. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.